Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. My name is Ben. I'm the pastor here, and a delight of mine to welcome you in today. If this is your first Sunday with us, uh, this is our last Sunday in a series that we've been walking through called Pray First. And the heart of this series has been to give our first of everything to the Lord. And so we've been walking through these 21 days of prayer that if you stuck with it, ended yesterday, if you started it on our first Sunday here. And so, but, but if not, there's a place right outside uh, those double doors so you could grab a, a prayer book on your way out. A, a prayer guide is really what it is, but it's just, it's just designed to, to help you uh, just concentrate your, your mind and your thoughts and to focus and have, maybe have a little different emphasis each and every day as you, as you give of yourself to the Lord and, and devotions and stuff. And so you pick one of those out uh, on your way out. But one last thing I wanted to share is Pastor Justin and Emily, as, as they transition out of here, we're going to have an open house for them. In the past, we've done them on different, different times, different occasions. But uh, for, for Justin and Emily, February 7th from 5 to 7 p.m., it's a Wednesday night. And so ahead of our N2 student ministry here, we're going to have pizza. We're going to hang out. We're gonna, people can... Uh, tell you their best jokes about you. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, give you, give you a hug and, 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 and just show our gratitude, show our thanks for, for Justin and for Emily and just um, serving so faithfully here in the church body over the last few years. I was reminded, I was talking to somebody before the service and uh, like, yeah, it's okay because their, their parents are here and their, you know, their uh, siblings are here. I'm like, yeah, this is home. Like, this, is, this will be, always be home. Right, and so that's a, it's a cool thing. So even as we pray over you and send you in a couple of weeks, this is this is home. But we want to create an opportunity to 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 celebrate and for you to to connect with him before we head out. But uh, hey, uh, pray first. The, the first week of the series, what we did is is I shared with you my a pastor's prayer. My desire is that is that we would make prayer our first response and not our last resort. That we would be a people, not just who pray, but that we would be a praying people in and out of season and everything, that we would, it would be our first response, not our last resort, not when there's just, we've tried all other options, and so I guess we'll just take it to the Lord in prayer. And that's, that's not the heart of the Father, that's not our heart for you, that's, and, and so for us, we want prayer our desires that, we, that prayer would be our first response, not our last resort. Why? Because prayer is the lifeblood of our faith. It's the thing that connects us and grafts us to the Father. It's the thing that, that is the lifeblood of, of, of communion and of connection and, and a source of strength, source of encouragement, especially in times of trouble, in times of heartache. And so we've used the beginning of this calendar year, the first of this year, to say, hey, we are going to be a praying people into 2024, that no matter what comes our way, we're going to be a people of prayer, we're going to be a praying people, and so I encourage you to go back and watch the last few weeks 
as, as Pastor Dave walked through the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' prayer, right, for us, and, and, and a better way to pray, how to position, uh, uh, posture uh, ourselves in prayer and, and the position and the priority that it takes in our lives. And Pastor Justin, last week, as he shared out of Psalm 23, a prayer of David, a very common and, and well-known psalm that we say a lot of times, but what does it look like to walk in the valley and, 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 and for the Lord to be with us in those moments. The reality is, at the end of the day, God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from his children. I think as a dad, I just want to hear from my children. I delight in them. I enjoy our conversations. I don't want them to just come to me when they have a problem or do things that please me. I want to be in communion with them. I want to walk alongside them. And if prayer is the lifeblood of our faith, and that's, that's how we do that. We connect with the Lord in worship, in prayer, and in the word. And so we're a praying people. You know, the book of Psalms is a, is a great, powerful book, and right in the middle of our Bible. And there are so many different genres and so many different heart postures when we read through the book of Psalms, we, we see mountaintop experiences. You know, you look at the end of, of Psalms and the last few, few, uh, few chapters of that book is just, just songs of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And then there are other portions that are just deep laments of brokenheartedness, of, of, of pain, of just crying out, God, where are you? And so it's a, it's, it's, it's a source for us to to see the prayers of those who have gone before us and to maybe echo those at times when we don't have the words to say, when we don't have the words to pray. And so we each bring a little bit of something into our prayer time, into our, our communion with the Lord. Sometimes it's a mixed bag. I've got some areas of my life that are just uh, so thankful for and so grateful for all the Lord's doing. And then there are other areas of my life that are just weighing me down and are just like, man, Lord, if you just come through in this, you just deliver me in this. And so I can find hope in, in all areas in Psalms because, because we oftentimes just approach Psalms with just different things happening. It's a little bit of everything. And this has been quite a season for many of you in the room today. As your pastor praying over you, praying alongside you, praying for you and with you, as you are walking through stuff, spent some time this week. This is going to be kind of transparent today. I spent this, some time this week just listing out over the last seven days the conversations that I've had with you guys. The body. Grieving through severed relationships with a close family member. Marital challenges and frustrations. Unexpected surgeries. Loved ones far from the faith. Having lost a loved one unexpectedly. Divorce. Children or a spouse far from Christ. Serious challenges in the workplace, knowing that they're called to the position they're in and giving it to God, knowing that God is the equipper, God is the challenge, He is the one who will strengthen. 
because they're giving it to God the best they know how, and they're not going to back down, and so they need strength in that. Uncertainty with a job, knowing that so much is tied to employment. Financial stability, health care, food, dreams, location and proximity and neighbors. And all that hinges sometimes on, a, on employment. Warring for someone's mental health in the prison that they find themselves trapped in each and every day. Addiction and the consequences of addiction. Someone desperately needing rest but feeling trapped, knowing that if they take one day off, everything begins to unravel. Because if they stop, they think they'll sink. If they rest, they'll, they'll sink. I'm done. I can't stop swimming. I can't stop moving against the current because I'll just be drifted away. And it'll become exceptionally harder. I've gotten to celebrate a job promotion someone this week. I've gotten to celebrate scans that show that there's no more cancer this week. Another who is preparing for another heart procedure who the Lord brought healing to this week and she doesn't need it. And then still, people with season of chronic illness and prolonged seasons of illness where each and every day it's a, it's a battle and you're numb, and you, but you want to keep fighting, but you're losing the willpower, and, but you're trying to press in. There's a quality of life that's been stolen from you. You've forgotten how to dream because you just want to get through the day. Look around. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the things that just I have been aware of this week alone. Not to mention what you carry in here that I don't know about. This is why we need each other. This is why we need the Lord. This is why the body of Christ is so important to me. This is why life groups are so important. Or pockets of community sub-community here to pray over one another, to provide meals for one another, to carry one another, to carry our burdens for one another. There's probably a hundred more things I could write down if we just spent ten minutes together today. And so we're praying for a breakthrough. We're waiting for a breakthrough. We're contending for a breakthrough with the Lord. Saying, Lord, deliver me from this. And I just ask you, what do you bring into your prayer time? I just mentioned some of the things that people are taking into their prayer time. And so it's cute to talk about, you know, the, in the abstract, right? The valleys and the mountaintops. But the reality is we're in it. And we're in it together when we're grafted in the body of Christ. And just like Psalm 23, we enter a new psalm today, and I pray that you would find hope and encouragement today, especially when we're in the valley, especially when we're in our darkest hours. So we're in Psalm 63 this morning. If you have your Bible app, you can, you version Bible app, you can be there as well. Another psalm of David. 
He wrote this on the run. The psalm that David wrote was because he was on the run from his son Absalom. Many believe that this, the context of this psalm today is, is from 2 Samuel 15 through 17, where, where King David's on the run. You get a better glimpse of David's heart when you read these three chapters. His family's a mess. His kingdom's a mess. He had sinned against the Lord. He's dealing from the consequences of, of everything that's going on. Absalom, his son, is trying to find him, to kill him, and, and he's trying to take over his king. And so he's on the run. And so in the wilderness of Judah, we find him crying out to the Lord, searching for relief. And so we read today. From Psalm 23, or I'm sorry, from Psalm 63. It says, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary. I see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied with the marrow and fatness. And my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. But I, the king, will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Psalm 63. I sense and I know many of you today are in Psalm 63. For David, we hear this deep longing for his soul to be near to God. We see David turning to cry out to God from a place of dryness, from a place of weariness. And I think as he's on the run, I'm sure his circumstances, his physical circumstances reflected his spiritual circumstances for a time, which is why he, he cried out to the Lord for refreshment. You know, as we were singing Raise a Hallelujah today, I don't know how many of you know that song story. The story was written because there was a little boy dying. And they didn't know how, how, the, how the situation would play out. They honestly didn't know. But because of that, so I'll raise a hallelujah. In the middle of uncertainty, that's going to be louder than my unbelief. It's going to be louder than anything because I know that my God is greater than my circumstance. And they wrote that song unresolved 
in the, in the circumstance, but triumph in the, in the soul. Triumph in the spiritual realm because they knew that God was victorious no matter what. And so this prayer of David, the Lord encourages us because we can walk alongside one another in our time of need. We can be with one another. We can share our common struggles. There's, there's truth to the idea that, that misery loves company in the best sense. That when we are broken together, we can walk alongside one another. We can encourage one another. And I can allow my brokenness to, be, to, to strengthen you. And in the past seasons that I've walked through can be an encouragement for you. And so David begins acknowledging who God is and what he's feeling. In Psalm 1, we see this. You're my God. I seek you earnestly. He entered, we enter into his soul state. I thirst for you. I'm parched. He's exhausted. He's worn out. His soul needs God like the body needs water. He knows that he can come to the Lord and entrust him with his worries, with his anxieties, with his cares, with his fears. Why? Because we know that God deeply cares for us. That he is near to us. 1 Peter 5, 7 reminds us of this. I don't know. My, here we go. It says, set aside your pride, and then it goes into this, casting all your cares. I love the Amplified Version because it gives us, sometimes in the English language, we don't have words that fully uh, articulate what is being written and said in Scripture. And so um, it takes many words for us to understand the meaning of what's being, what's being said uh, by the author. And so, so here we have the Amplified Version that, expand, that teases this out, the meaning and heart behind what's being said. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares for you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. For those of you who have walked with the Lord for a time, we know that he, that he cares for us. We know that he is a caretaker, not because we intellectually know it, but because we've experienced it. We've walked there. And in Psalm 2, this is where he begins, or in, in, in the second verse of Psalm 63, he says, thus I've seen you in the sanctuary. I see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I was driving my kids around, dropping them off Thursday morning at my mom's watches them a couple days a week and we're going through Liberty Center and I, I took my I drove my kids by the house that I grew up in when I was their age. And so I said, hey, that's where that's where mom and dad and or that's where I'm sorry, Alma and Papa and <laughs> Dad and, and Janae and they lived. Growing up. And then we got to talking and 
I said, Judy, you remember, we, we moved a few years ago, and I didn't think he'd remember. I said, you remember the house that, that, you, were, you, know, that you spent the first couple of years of your life in? He says, no. But we've talked about it enough that he, he, he knows that we lived somewhere else before there, and so maybe vaguely, he, and, and we see pictures, and, but he says, I just remember, like you, you said, you know, you guys got, uh, you got married, and you moved into this house, and then you prayed for a while, and then you had me, and you had my sister. And we had shared with him, I don't know if it was my wife or what, a season of prayer, where we were waiting for a child, where we were waiting for the Lord. And through our miscarriage and praying into a breakthrough, and in the valley of unresolvedness, and just knowing that the Lord's good no matter what. And my son reminded me, and now he now knows I've seen God work in the sanctuary, in the dwelling place of his people. And so now I use that, and, and we can be a reminder for others who are walking through difficult things that we've seen the Lord work in the sanctuary. We've seen him work among his people. And I think that's what we use the valley for on the back side of it because on the other side of this I'm reminded. Yeah, I may be working through stuff right now, but I've seen the Lord work before and he'll do it again. And like the heart of David, he's, he's seen the Lord work in the sanctuary. He's seen the goodness of God time and time again, and so he's trusting in him once more. So we move on, and he says this. He says, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. That these songs that we sing, songs of today, the songs that even if you know the song story, just like we know the psalm story. Well, yeah, I can raise my hand in the sanctuary because I've seen the Lord move. I've seen him even before the breakthrough provide and care for me. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. I love the, the language here, the, the metaphors and the, the imagery the best steak dinner that you look forward to and you think about. And you ever go to those, one of those, we go to this restaurant once a year and we just go all in. And I think about it, like before we get there for probably weeks, I'm like, I know what I'm going to get. I know how it tastes. I know how it makes me feel. It satisfies and this is the imagery he's using. One of the, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the translations is, my soul is satisfied as with fat and fatness. All the good things, right? The fat gives the flavor. The fat just satisfied. It gives you so many uh, good things. He says, my soul, just like that best steak dinner, that best fill in the blank, whatever, that you just love the taste of it, and it fills you, and it sustains you. And he says, so are you, God, for my soul. You satisfy me. And my mouth offers praises with joyful lips because you satisfy my soul. 
And when I remember you on my bed and I meditate on you in the night watches, for you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I'm going to stay here for a minute. The word cling here in verse 8 means to hold fast. It's the same language used in the Genesis account of, 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 the husband, or the, of the man leaving his family to hold fast, to cling to his wife. And this idea of, of, of holding fast together, not to be undone, but they're fastened together in the Lord, and he upholds. And so he clings and he upholds. In the verse before, this, this helper, it's the same word that's used at the beginning of, of the Genesis account for, uh, for woman, Azer, helper, E-Z-E-R. But also it's the same word used for God, who is the helper of Israel. And once again, David is crying out to that same God saying, for you have been my help. God, you've, you've helped me before. And I know that you will help me again, for your right hand upholds me. Upholds me in this. This is the idea of, of, of Exodus 17. Jeff Fulton read this passage a couple weeks ago with Moses. And, and, and they're, they're in the battle, and as long as Moses holds his arms up, right, the victory is, is theirs. But as soon as they start to come down, they start to lose in the battle, and so, so scripture says that he sat on a rock, and Aaron and her upheld his arms so that the victory may come to pass. Uh, I have this picture in my office as a gift this last year. And I'm reminded that we need each other. This is helpful imagery as a pastor because, you know, it just, it takes so many to, to pray and to, to contend for the faith and for souls. You're warring over souls. And so you need an upholder. You need upholders to walk along with you. And we all are in that. We all desire and, and need Upholders. And David says, God, you are my helper and my upholder. I need you. I sing to you. I cry out to you. Right now in this room, some of you are weak. Spiritually are in need. You're in David's position. And some of you have are not in the valley, that you just need to come alongside someone and be a helper and upholder. That as they cry out to the Lord, we can cry out and call, call upon one another and walk alongside one another. I have helpers and upholders in this church body. It would not be possible without. So we're called to be helpers and upholders. And so then we get to verse 9. 
says, but those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword and will be a prey for foxes. This is the first time that David comes to the Lord with his grievances. He says, people are coming after me. They want my life. They want to overthrow me. They want to kill me. But the first eight verses have positioned himself before the Lord, acknowledging God's lordship, acknowledging David's desire, his, his soul thirst to be satisfied in the Lord. And then the praise that comes because he's seen him work before and he knows he's going to see him again. But God, right now, I need you because there's people that seek to come and destroy me. And so we hear about his circumstances. I love the, what's happening in 1 Peter 5, because we already read verse 7. It goes on and says, but resist him, stand firm in your faith. So cast your cares, cast your cares on him. That's what David's been doing. And now we come to the enemy piece that says, to, but resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren, by other people in the faith. Hey, others are warring too. It's not just you. Who are in the world. So stand strong in the faith. Be a sober mind and alert, verse 8 says. So we cast our cares, we cast our worries on him. And then we end with verse 11. It says, but the king will rejoice. He's talking about himself in the third person here now. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Saying, God, you have the final word. And so my faith is in you. My trust is in you. My hope is in you. I'll sing before the breakthrough. I'll, I'll acknowledge who you are before the breakthrough. And I think some of us, we bring our cares and worries and we say, God, I don't know if God's going to show up again. I don't know if he's going he's to come through this time. Has he ever not come through? Has he ever not been sustainer and provider and caregiver? Maybe not the way that we hope or want. He's a God who comes through. It's like he is up. Here you go, Lions fans. He's up at like 120 and a half. And you're worried that you're going to lose the game. Like you're up 120 points at halftime. And you're worried that it's like, I don't know though. Is he going to come through or are we just going to lose this one? It's like the enemy gave the best that he had to put Jesus in the grave once and for all. And what happened? He rose. Death was defeated. We conquered the grave, and that's what we stand on. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so this, this is what we can do, is we can, we can praise before our breakthrough. We can praise in the valley and thank God. And it's amazing to see what, what David's heart does, because he, he comes with weariness, and he lays his cares down. He says, I've remembered you. I know you. But people are out, and the enemy's here, and, 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 and he's coming to divide and conquer and kill. But guess what? 
stands up and rises up. Did his circumstances change? No, he's still on the run. Everyone who swears by him will glory. God, I want to glory in you. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Death is defeated once and for all. I don't have to worry about that. I just need to stand firm. And friends, whether you're walking in it or not, storms will come. Trials will come. Won't be long, unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of times. How will you respond? How will you respond when, when it comes? I, the, this imagery has just been, been walking with me the last month or so. When a, uh, when a storm comes, talking about buffaloes and cows, cows will, will try to outrun the storm. They'll try, to, they'll, try to out, they'll try to skirt around it and drift. What's unique about the buffalo is that it knows the fastest way through it is to address it head on, to stand firm and to walk in. It knows the fastest way through it. And I don't know what your, what your storm is this year, this season, but with your Lord as our helper, knowing that we can just, we don't have to try to outrun, we don't have to try to outskirt. He says, be of sober mind, stand firm in the faith. Knowing that he who cares for you will supply all that you need. That he will be your shadow, he will be your protector. You've already seen it in the sanctuary, you know it, you, you've seen it in the dwelling place. You've experienced it. Trust in him, turn into it and walk into it. And he will be with you. He'll guide you. He'll care for you. So I have one word today. You guys can come up. One word for this year is simply to abide. That whether it's through the the good times, the bad times. Would we abide in the Lord this year? We trust in him. Would you stand this morning? Becca, can you hold that? Justin? You can move the table out of the way if it's in the way. I have something for you today, something that I intend for this to be a, a word for 2024, to abide in the Lord, whether it's personal stuff you're dealing with or whether it's just stuff happening around you. Who do you abide in? Who is your allegiance to? Is it a, a party, a party affiliation? Or is it to the Lord first? And so there's, I have these green 
abide bracelets that we have for you today. My prayer is that as often as you see this, as often as you look down, put it in a place where you see if you don't want to wear it. You would though, but recalibrate my abiding in the Lord right now. When you're sitting there texting that pithy response, that clever, oh, it's good, it's good, I got him this time. What do I abide in? What's the language Jesus would choose to use? How would he respond? We know when storms come, abide. When healings come, we abide. We give remembrance in our bed. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Could we be a people who abide this year? John 15 is a reference, so it's on the back of it. In a couple weeks, we're going, to begin a, we're going to begin a sermon series through the Gospel of John. We're going to walk through the red letters. We're going to keep our eyes fixed on Christ. I don't know yet. It might be 12 weeks. It might be 50 weeks. But if you want to complain that I'm preaching about Jesus every week, bring it. Because this is where we need to fix our eyes. This is where we need to set our sights. Keep our eyes fixed on him. Abide in him. As we sing this over you, as you participate in this song, we lift our voice. Do it with a posture of abiding in him. I, I want So these two sections can just kind of file through the middle here to receive a bracelet today. And then you can kind of go back to your seats. Same on this side. Receive this. Take it with you today. Carry it with you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 1030 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.